Good morning. As you find your seats, turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Maybe you also want to pull out your bulletin. In the uh, bulletin, there'll be an outline you can follow along with through the sermon. I don't know what happened, but we had a breakdown this morning. I turned to Jack, our beloved worship director, said, point us to Jesus. And the first thing out of his mouth is, God's a Gator fan. So, um, <laughs> wow. Woo! Talk about a deviation there, huh? Um, but we're going to talk about uh, God's grace to Seminoles, to Gators, to whoever, um, because we all need it. Um, sky is orange and blue. I'm a Syracuse fan. They're orange and blue too. And believe me, God is not a Syracuse fan. I don't know about you, but for me, I I read a lot of books at once. Well, I dabble in books. I love books. I order books. Occasionally, I read them. Every once in a while, I'll finish it. And uh, man, that is a great accomplishment. But most of my life is uh, picking up a book here and there, uh, especially as I study. And there's, there's just a kind of a desire um, always to have my nose in a book. And oftentimes I'll put one down um, and won't pick it up for a few months, few weeks, year. Uh, kind of go back to it. Did it even this week. And then I, I usually mark them. Uh, I mark up all my books and I, and I use like old business cards uh, uh, as, as book uh, holders or bookmarks and so a lot of times I pick it up and I go back and, and I'm trying to remember now, what was this about again? And, and what was the author's point? And what is the plot? You know, I mean, who are the characters and how is this being developed? So what I do is uh, go back a few pages, um, maybe look at some of the notes I've made or things I highlighted and kind of remind myself of, oh yeah, this is his point. This is where we're going. This is where I am so we can move forward. Well, we started together a sermon series in Ephesians, and we put it down uh, for several reasons, including Easter, and we're about ready to pick it up again. And so where we want to start is by going back just a few pages and say, now what was the point of this book again? Uh, What is the plot? Uh, Who are the characters? Uh, What is God doing? So that's where we're going to start. We're going to pick back up uh, this series in Ephesians. I am tremendously excited to be back here. I hope you are as well. Let me remind you, we have CDs available with this. It's on audio, this entire book. It's good old Jack's voice. He does a great job. Does not mention the Gators once. He just reads through Scripture. Um, It's a great way to hear God's Word and get absorbed into it. But what's the point? What's the plot? What is Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, telling us? And really, if you have your Bibles, you can look to verses 9 and 10 in chapter 1, and he's going to tell us what the point or what the plot is. That God is making known to us a mystery. It's an amazing mystery. God is revealing to us a mystery of His will. um, What He desires to happen. And it is this. To unite all things in Christ. Things in heaven and things in earth. So here's the point that Paul is making. Saying here's the big picture of God's creation. Here's the big picture of Jesus. Here's the whole point. It's to unite everything in heaven and earth in Christ. 
Well, how is God doing uniting all things? The world seems so dysfunctional, doesn't it? I mean, it seems so fractured. How is God doing uniting this world in His Son, Christ Jesus? Truth is, amazingly well. Amazingly well. Because right now, today, there are those in China who call Jesus Lord and Savior. Right now, there are those in Africa who know Jesus in the saving of blood that He has shed for sinners like us. There are those in Australia and Europe and throughout the USA. Jesus wins. He wins and He has won. And His kingdom is advancing. Yes, we f- live in a world where there is evil, where our flesh still rages, but the reality is, don't you ever let the news tell you that God's plan is in trouble. It's not. God is sovereign. God is in control. He is not wringing His hands in heaven saying, what happened? Yes, He knows we're sinful, but here's His plan. Unite everything. Make everything one in Christ. And He's going to start with you and me. We're the starting point of this plan. Uniting sinners like us who rebel against God, who by nature don't want to have anything to do with God, who want to be our own gods, live our own lives, and maybe have Him for some pleasant music to fill in the gaps. But by nature, that's who we are. And so by nature, God has to start with us because we have to be united to Him first. Because amazingly, you and me, family, we are the agents that God wants to use to unite the entire world. To unite your world to Christ. Remember, everywhere the sun shines, guess what? The sun shines. Praise God. And everywhere you go, that is why God has called you to Himself, united you to Him in Christ, so that the sun will shine. Well, God's mysterious plan of uniting all things on heaven and earth begins with us. But let's again, you can follow along in the outline. I'm going to pick it up here. What is this making known, this mystery? Well, there's a few things that we need to be reminded about this mysterious plan, this mysterious will of God that He is revealing to us. And it's these things. First of all, this is entirely God's plan and entirely God's activity. Here's what I mean by that. I mean, Paul wants to start off this epistle that, hey, I'm Paul, an apostle of of Christ, by the will of God. You read through that first chapter and you will find over and over and over again that God is working. God is doing things. Why? According to His pleasure and will. That God is the author of creation. God is the author of recreation or salvation. This is God's plan. It's not ours. We aren't bright enough, smart enough, creative enough to create this plan. He is the author of this plan. Uh, It's entirely God's plan. It's entirely God's activity. He is the initiator with us. He is the hero. Unbelievably, we have love lavished upon us. We are ushered into God's family. We are forgiven. We are set free. We are great benefactors. But the hero, the hero of God's story is always God and His Son and Holy Spirit. So we got to be reminding ourselves, okay, entirely God's plan. God's plan is not failing, by the way. And it's entirely God's activity. He is the great initiator. Maybe we can look to things like 1-4, chapter, uh, in, in one, chapter 1, verse 4. 
before the foundation of the world, before time even began, God's plan took shape. Before time began, He chose those that He was going to love in a special way and Christ that He was going to call family. It is God's plan and it is God's activity. Secondly, all of this great plan and activity that that intersects our life is all due to God's grace. What does that mean? Well, it means this. We're not deserving of it. There's some really, really good news. God is a benevolent, loving, mercy-filled God. We're also going to hear about His wrath a little bit later. That is true, too, of God. But all that we have is unearned. All that we have is by God's free grace to us. So therefore, He deserves all the praise and glory. We can't look to ourselves. Thirdly, this entire plan, this entire will of God is all accomplished in Christ. Amazingly, in the first 14 verses of chapter 1, in Christ or in Him is mentioned 15 times. In verse 3, it says that all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms are ours in Christ. So here's the deal. This will of God to unite all things in Christ. This incredible grace of God that brings us into the family. It's all found in Christ. In Him, salvation. In Him, life. In Him, joy. In Him, meaning. Apart from Him, hell. Nothingness. It's all or nothing. It's all or nothing according to God's plan. In Christ. It's entirely, why is this plan there? It's entirely for the praise of His glory. 1.6, God has brought us to Himself. He's revealed Himself to us. He's rescued us. Why? So we'll know and love Him. But ultimately, so that our lives would make a joyful noise. So that all we do has meaning to Him. All to the praise of His glory. And His Orangewood, here's the reality. We're going to look at one of the most amazing passages of Scripture. As a matter of fact, we read it. Jack read it to us. And it should cause every one of us to sing and to have great joy of what God has lavished upon us. And i got to tell you, as a preacher, this is one of the most challenging things to do. Because I begin by saying, God, I can't do it. I can't paint a picture as glorious as you deserve. I don't have words to articulate what you have done for us. You're going to have to come and speak. And so that's my prayer every Sunday. But again, I just pray that this is so new to all of us that, it, that it's like Christmas morning. That we just experience this love and grace and power of Jesus afresh because it's so good. It's so good that we should truly live our lives to His glory, and to His praise. This morning we have three very important things now as we turn to chapter 2 that we want to look at. Three points, and here they are. We'll look at who we are apart from God's grace. Okay, who we are naturally. Who we are uh, before God's grace intervenes in our life. We will also look at who we are because of God's grace. And I tell you, the contrast of the before and after should really make our hearts sing. And lastly, we'll now look at how we are now to live as God's masterpiece of God's recreation in Christ. So turn with me to chapter 2. We've made our our way to chapter 2. And let's pray that God will, as as Paul prayed at the end of chapter 1, 
that He will enlighten the eyes of our heart so that we can see Jesus. But let's be mindful, again, that we're going to read God's Holy Word. This is is without error. It will never lead us astray. And by God's love and design, He's given it to us. Hear God's Word. And you, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Pretty ominous picture to begin with. He begins, he's talking primarily to a Gentile audience, and he wants to say, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And then he's going to include himself and all the Jewish nations as we ourselves live this way. Together, this sin problem is a universal problem. We are all, apart from Christ, dead in our transgressions and sin. And the verb, the verb doesn't come into play and uh, the subject until verse 4. The subject is God and the, and the uh, verb is His rich mercy. But God, if you have a pen, you may want to highlight that, underline that, and just dwell on that because He just gave us a pretty negative picture of who we are apart from Him. But He says this, But God, being rich in mercy... Because of the great love which He's loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is very much resurrection language. As Christ was raised from the dead, as He arose and was seated at the right hand of the Father, we too have been made alive in Christ and seated uh, with Christ in the heavenly places. So why? So that in the coming ages, and this is like the waves of ages to come. This is what it means in the Greek. In the coming ages, the waves and waves of time, that He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? God saying that as time rolls on, I want to reveal how much I love you. I want to reveal the depths of my grace and mercy to you. That is just amazing to me. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship. We're His poem. We're His recreation. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let us pray. Father, the picture You give us here of how You are uniting all things to Yourself in Christ. It's the picture of who we are with You and without You. And God, it is, it is so important that we get this picture because this is about life and death. And again, Father, I, I just confess of my inability, the, the, the dullness of my mind and the slowness of my tongue to be able to articulate the beauty and the depth of Your love and Your mercy and Your kindness to us in Christ Jesus. 
So God, because we are concerned with the glory of Your grace, will You come and speak through a broken vessel? Will You shine brightly? Would You open up our ears to hear Your truth? God, I pray specifically for anyone here who has yet to be made alive in Christ, that today would be the day that they understand who Jesus is and what He has done. They understand their position in Christ and apart from Christ. Father, You open up our minds and Your Spirit would shine truth inside our dark minds. That God, You would lovingly massage our cold, stony hearts to embrace Your truth. And yet God, for Your glory, You'd empower our feet to walk in a manner worthy of the Gospel. I mean, This passage starts by our walking in darkness and ends in our walking in faithfulness. So God, make us faithful to walk in a manner worthy of the Gospel. May You and You alone receive glory. And may we receive challenge and joy. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Probably one of the best sales and marketing techniques is to use a before and after picture. And the greater uh, volume or the greater uh, uh, sting it's going to have, the greater effectiveness, I guess I should say, is if it's a really amazing before and after picture. Let's talk about maybe things like male baldness, you know, and then they show us a a guy's dome and it's just nothing there and and you got this new special product and you rub it in and you spray it on and you do whatever you do and wow, Fabio, he's just got this incredible head of hair and you look at the before and after and say, man, that product must work. Or, or maybe they show us a, a product of, of someone uh, trying to lose weight. And beforehand, it's, it's, a, it's a picture that's a little bit large. And then after, wow, look at that. that. That must really work. And I don't know about you. I'm usually skeptical. I'm like, you know what? Trick photography. I mean, show me the picture in two more months. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm kind of slow to really believe. Maybe that's just the culture we live in. But God is going to show us a before and after picture right now. He's going to show us a before picture of who we are in Christ. And we're dead, hopeless, children of wrath. And He's going to show us an after picture of who we are in Christ, fully alive, fully forgiven, fully loved. I mean, unbelievably raised into the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. And maybe some of you are skeptical. Maybe some of you say, ah, I don't know. Listen, God's true and His promises are true and His Word is true. So let us be amazed. There's no trick photography here. He's going to deal. He's going to take the gloves off and tell us who we are apart from Christ. And it's ugly. And He's going to put His arm around us and say, but let me show you who you are in Christ. The first thing is this. Who we are apart from God's grace. Verses 2, 1 through 3. The first thing we see is we are dead. Not a good condition to be in. Dead. Not like really sick. Not mortally sick. Fatally dead. It says we are dead in our trespasses and sins. Interesting play on two words. Trespasses is kind of like our missteps. Our sins are things that we have fallen short of doing. It's basically saying to us this, that we are dead because of the things we do wrong, our trespasses, and the things we don't do right. I hope for most of you this is, as far as being a sinner in a holy God's sight, this isn't a leap for me. I mean, I have missteps all day long. 
Seems like my first step out of bed oftentimes is on the wrong foot. And I continually are heading places mentally, physically, verbally that I shouldn't go. How is it with you? But I'm also falling short. I mean, God tells me that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. And maybe if he got rid of the pit bulls, I would. But they drive my golden retrievers crazy. And so, I mean, do I really care about him the way I should? Do I really care about you? See, so I understand that I am sinful and that I deserve his wrath. And I am dead apart from him. Life without God, do you really believe it? Life without God is a dead life, according to Scripture. You can be very athletic. You can have great strength. You can be very bright. You can be an incredible chemist or biologist. Um, You can have an incredible, charming personality. But Scripture says, those who have Jesus, those who have the Son, have life. And those who don't are dead. Spiritually without life. I mean, we've got to realize that's what Scripture says. Apart from a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, that's hell. That's not life as God intended. We are dead to God. We may be very spiritual people. I I was with a guy this week that I love that's gone through some tragedy, and he said, I've rejected Christianity, and I'm, I'm dabbling into the Eastern religions. I just don't like the fact that that God sees me just in Christ. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? I'm delighted He sees me in Christ. Because I am absolutely a sinner. I'm dead without Him. It's true with all of us. You know, it's so our our sins are are, are so, uh, we're so dead that we, without Christ, we're going the wrong way. And we don't even necessarily know. We we don't care. We, we We are going to kill somebody. You're going the wrong way. You're going to kill somebody. That's a movie line. I thought about five or ten of you would get it, but I'm not I'm going to go on. Um, but seriously, apart from Christ, we are dead. And you are going the wrong way. I mean, you have this like no desire to even turn around. But God is merciful. So the first thing apart from God's wrath is dead in our trespasses and sins. The second thing is this, under God's wrath. Everybody wants to acknowledge God's love. I mean, just this gentleman that I was talking to about Jesus, he wants to say, I believe in a monotheistic God. I believe in one God. And I believe that He is loving. Everybody wants to talk about a loving God. But to mention His wrath is not really in vogue. To mention that God is a holy God, and because of His character and quality, He burns against sinfully. He must, because He's holy. It was Jonathan Edwards in the First Great Awakening, what I think the most prolific uh, uh, preacher and uh, certainly theologian in American history. And he preached probably the most famous sermon in American history called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Now there's a real seller, isn't it? (laughs) What did you hear this morning? Sinners in the hand of an angry God. And he just preached on God's wrath. And, and, And listen, in a way that was true to God's word, and certainly goes to his mercy, that they were grabbing a hold of the pew. And they were crying out saying, tell me how I have to be saved. Because there is the reality that there is a God. And you have been made in his image. And your sinfulness and my sinfulness is an abomination in his sight. And rightfully his wrath burns against our sin. Under God's wrath is where we are apart from God's grace. 
His holiness will always burn against sin. It's not a wrath like ours. It's not some selfish, hot-headed, unfounded, unjust. The reality is it's an offense to His character. Has anything happened, I, I hope to God it has, where something's just an offense to you? I can't believe I'm watching this. Or I can't believe they would do that. That's so offensive. That's what sin is in a holy God's sight. We are by nature. It says this. So not only are we dead in our trespasses and sins, but by nature, just being born as sons of Adam, we are children of wrath. We're born that way. We're born broken with a propensity not of holiness, but we're born dead with a propensity to sin. So we are apart from God, we are dead, we're under God's wrath, and we are deserving God's punishment. Romans 6.23, the wages, the punishment, the payment for sin is death. What God owes us is death. That's that first question of membership. I mean, I always kind of feel bad. We start off so negative. You know, we bring them up here, all, hey, happy family, all look so good. Do you acknowledge yourself to be dead? Do you acknowledge yourself to be a sinner in God's sight? But listen, if we don't start there, we never understand His reality and His holiness, and His love, and His mercy. we got to start there. What is our condition apart from Christ? It's worse than critical. It's dead. It's hopeless. We're dead. We're under His wrath, and we deserve His punishment. So many people want to say, I just wish God would give me what I deserve. Apart from Christ, never ask for God to give you what you deserve. Because what we do deserve is hell and punishment. That's who we are apart from God's grace. And it's an ugly picture. But there's some really good news. And listen, the good news is even better. And the beautiful picture is even more beautiful when we understand the depths of the other pictures. Does it make sense? We can't just wink at sin. But let's jump into the other uh, point. Who we are because of God's grace in Christ Jesus. Verses 4-9. through nine. Again, telling that we have been made alive, but God. I mean, that's, that passage right there changes everything. It paints this picture, but it says, but God. We were dead, but God's mercy saved. Listen, here's the reality. Isn't it true? If we are dead in our trespasses and sins, isn't it only by God's mercy that we're saved? That makes logical sense, right? I mean, if we're dead, we're dead. We can't even reach out to Him. We can't even warm ourselves to Him. We can't hear His call. We can't do anything to clean ourselves up. We can't even start moving ourselves forward. We're dead. But there's such good news. We were dead, but God's mercy saved. Since we were dead, only and only His mercies could give us life. God, and here's how Paul says, being rich in mercy. Listen, praise God in your soul. He is rich in mercy. Do you know the mercy of God? Do you know that personally? We were dead, but God's mercy saved. We were under God's wrath. Be ready for this? But God. But God's love conquered. We were under God's wrath, but God's love conquered. I love Romans 5.8. says this, While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. It wasn't while we were cleaning up or while we were getting better or while we were moving to Him. Eh, wrong. While we were dead in our trespasses and sins, Christ came and died for us. While we were sinners, dead. Oh, what great love He's lavished on us. That what, listen to this. 1 John 3.1 Oh, what love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And in Christ Jesus, that is what we are. That is what we are. Love conquered. 
Jesus' love conquered. It's greater than His wrath for His children. That is such good news. Has that love conquered your heart? It's the greatest love this world will ever know, has ever known. God loves us in Christ Jesus. Do you know that good news? God's love conquers His wrath. God's love. And we see it on the cross. We see a merciful God who's a just God, who's punishing sin the way they deserve. Our sin on the one who doesn't deserve it. So we can receive His love and mercy. We were deserving punishment, but God's grace rescued. God has rescued us. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 5, 17-21. This is picking up the same theme that Paul is giving to us here. I just want to show it to you in another way. And it's this. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17-21, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, remember what we said earlier, all of God's grace, all of God's blessing are found in Christ and Christ alone. If you have Christ, you have life. If you don't have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, you don't have life. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. I mean, God has made him brand new, born again. His sins have been forgiven. New life has been given him. It's like God has recreated this masterpiece so that we are created as God intended us to be in Christ. In love with Him, and He's in love with us. Forgiven and holy and blameless in His sight. He calls it such a radical love that we are a brand new creation. And all this is from God. Remember, it is His plan, and He is the ultimate actor. It's all about Him. Who through Christ, remember again, again, it's only through Him, reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Remember what we were saying. What's the point of the book of Ephesians? God is uniting all things to Himself in Christ. How does He do it? He does it in Christ. He reconciles us to Him. That in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself. Not just us, the whole world. Not counting their trespasses against them. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. I love this. He says, not only am I going to reconcile you, I'm going to give you the, the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now let me ask you a question. How did God not count our trespasses against us? Did He shrug His shoulders and say, it's not really that bad? I know you were dead in your trespasses and sin, but I'm a loving, merciful God. And I'll just ignore my wrath. I'll just ignore the fact of justice. I'll just wink at sin and say, I'll forgive him. Most people think that way wrongly about God. Listen, God can't be holy and just at the same time and shrug his shoulders to sin. Say, ah, no big deal. You got more good stuff than bad stuff. We'll just forget about the bad stuff. No, Here's how he did it in verse 21. For our sake, God the Father made Jesus the Son to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the Gospel right there. God says, I'm going to take my own Son who is a sinless one, make Him your sin, my sin. He will become sin on the cross so that we can become the righteousness of God. He gives the Son what He doesn't deserve and He gives us 
the incredible amount of grace. What an incredible God He has loved us this way. We were dead, but God's mercy saved. We were under God's wrath, but God's love conquered. We were deserving punishment, but God's grace rescued. God's grace has rescued us in Christ. He truly has absorbed that wrath. And He also earned the prize that is now ours in Christ Jesus. Listen to these, these two statements. What Christ did for us by becoming a sacrifice and by living a perfect life, what Christ did for us, the Father accepted it as if it were ours. That's what the 2 Corinthians 5.21 is all about. He accepts what Christ did for us as far as a sacrifice, and He gives us His righteousness. What Christ did for us, the Father accepted as if we did it. It's kind of like when Neil Armstrong landed on the moon. We all wanted to say, Americans have made it to the moon. He represented us. We are there. What Christ has done for us, He truly represented us and He gave to us. What Christ did for us, the Father accepted it as if it were ours. Now listen to this. What the Father did for the Son. And what does He do for the Son? Look at Ephesians 1.20. He raises Him from death to life. He seats Him at His right hand in the heavenly realms. What the Father did for the Son. You ready for this? He did for us as well. In Christ, we've been made alive. In Christ, we've been raised up. In Christ, look at verse 6. In Christ, in 2.6, we've been seated with Him in the heavenly realms. How are we now to live? How are we now to live, lastly? We are now to live, ready as this, as trophies of God's grace. We are now to live as trophies of God's grace and exhibit of God's skill. I think I got this right from John Stott in his commentary. We're now to live as trophies of God's grace and exhibits of God's skill. We now, Christian, of all of creation, Christian, you are now God's masterpiece. You're His recreation. We're to show the world this is how you're supposed to live. Walking with Jesus in a relationship with Him. Forgiving one another. Loving Him. Giving our life to Him. We now are a trophy of His grace. He puts us in the world so people are in amazed. A sinner like you is loved by God. Man, look at the grace of God in your life. And He gives us this whole world as, our, as His trophy case. But not only that, we're an exhibit of His skill. What He has done, we can take nothing of ourselves. We're dead in our trespasses and, and sins. But listen, a dead man lives. A dead man lives. I'm an exhibit of His skill. I have been rescued because of the blood of the Lamb. I am robed in His righteousness. God's skill took a dead man who was apart from Him, who deserved His wrath and made him fully alive in Christ Jesus. We, family of the living God, are exhibits of God's skill in Christ Jesus. He can take that which was so broken it was dead and make it fully alive in Christ. We are His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to display to this world that He prepared in advance that we should walk in them. Good works are not the grounds of the means of our new life, but they are the consequence and the evidence that we get it. We are to walk in Him. It says now we are to walk in good works. It says that we used to walk in darkness. 
We used to walk in deadness of life. This is kind of what we call an inclusio of Scripture. It starts with walking and it ends in walking. And it shows what an incredible change has taken place for us. Are you walking in light or walking in darkness? Listen, this is, this is, this is God's whole point. Our new life in Christ, from death to life, is to prove to the world that God is uniting all things to Himself in heaven and earth. That's it. Do you understand that's His trophy? We're here to prove to the world that the plan of the Father is not failing. That He is uniting all things to Himself. We are that evidence of His plan working. We are His agents now. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, I took you there, that we're His ambassadors We are now the ones that God has entrusted for His plan to move forward. Church, this is more than an individual blessing. We could celebrate new life in Christ. Listen, we're part of a worldwide mission. Do you get it? I mean, he, he was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. He's making us his ambassadors. It's not just about this personal salvation that we all enjoy and celebrate. Praise God for it. But sometimes we in the Western church get so egocentric. We think it's all about us. We've been given new life, so we just enjoy all these benefits in Christ. Yes, that's true, but we are now to be trophies of God's grace, exhibits of God's skill, and a part of God's worldwide mission to unite all things in Christ. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now we have that mission Whatever world, part of the world, God has placed you. Wherever your workplace may be, wherever you're a student, wherever you're a homemaker, wherever your world is, you, child of the living God, are a trophy to His grace. You, child of the living God, are an exhibit of His skill. Because dead people are alive in Christ. We are recreated in Christ, given new life. So make a joyful noise with your life. This should not be able to go in one ear and out the other. Our life should now make a joyful noise. Loving our God, loving our neighbors, that's the good works that He wants us to walk in. Start there. We're given new life to serve Him with gladness. We are alive. We are loved. Do you hear that? God loves us. We can come near to God. We can know Him. Love Him. He is our God. We are His. Life reigns in Christ. Do you see the before and after picture? Where is it with you? For a sinner like me who's been lavished of love upon by the Father through the Son, it is amazing grace. And the difference in the pictures is between death and life. You're in one of two camps dead in your trespasses and sins, are made alive in Christ. May each of us know the joy of the after picture in Christ. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for showing us the truth about ourselves apart from Christ, dead in our trespasses and sins. Maybe physically fit, maybe a sharp mental mind, maybe a lot of charm and charisma but apart from Christ, spiritually dead, with no relationship with You. But Father God, what we rejoice in is the good news of the grace of God. That through the vehicle of faith, that we can come 
and be made fully alive with Christ, raised up and seated with Him in the heavenly realms. Even now, even now, that power of the resurrection is ours in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray for the man, woman, or child that is finally getting it, that realize who they are apart from Christ, that today would be the day that silently in their heart right now, they pray in their hearts saying, Father, I now see that apart from You, I am dead. That I want to be made fully alive in Christ Jesus. And today I ask You to forgive my trespasses and sins. And I embrace Your Son as my Savior. Father, for any who prayed that prayer, I want to say thank You for Your grace and mercy that has made them alive. And for the rest of us, may the reality of being made alive in Christ make our lives a joyful noise to You. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.